0: So let us never forget, in light of everything that's taking place in this world, that we are truly still a blessed people. And so I want to draw your attention today to the book of Psalms, chapter 103. I want to talk about the blessings of the Lord. Amen. And I want to talk about, as David gives us, a a recipe for satisfaction in life, he says this Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Everyone say, All that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Verse 2, 3, For who forgives all of your iniquities? Here David's going through the benefit package of a child of God. He's saying, when you live for God, don't you forget you've got some benefits. He says He's the God who forgives your sins. He's the God who heals your diseases. Verse 4, He's the God who redeems your life from destruction. He's the God who crowns you with loving kindness with mercies. He's the God who satisfies your mouth with good things. In other words, David is saying, I've figured out a few things that... It takes to live and enjoy a life of satisfaction. And that is you've got to bless the Lord with all of your heart and you've got to remember that despite what you're going through, despite what the world says, despite how the feds try to shut down Thanksgiving and everything about it, we still have a spirit of Thanksgiving and we've got a lot to be thankful for. Amen? And so for the next few moments, I want to just simply preach to you on this subject, the secret to... Satisfaction. I was assaulted this week by my wife and Lily, who said I have too long of introductions, and so I've shortened it up. I'm proud of myself. I've done good. I got right to the point, all right? And so now this is where we're going to get into the sermon. So let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace, we thank you for your mercies. God, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would just give us a spirit of thankfulness. God, this Thanksgiving week, we pray that you would help us. We pray that you would heal us. We pray that you would encourage us. We pray that you would remind us. We give you all the praise and all the glory. And we ask it right now in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. The secret to satisfaction. Amen. As we approach this week of Thanksgiving, and if you're anything like me, turkey is on your mind, deep-fried turkey, honey-baked ham, mashed potatoes, gravy, macaroni and cheese, all of these things just, just kind of circulating in my mind as we head into this Thanksgiving week. I just began thinking a lot about food, and I've been thinking and a lot about cooking food and I don't know if you're anything like me, but I personally, I very much enjoy cooking. Amen? Sometimes. Not all the time. But when I'm in the mood, I really do enjoy getting in the kitchen and just putting together some ingredients, putting together, just uh, pulling together some ingredients and some components, planning a meal. I enjoy going to the grocery store with a a recipe in mind, something that I'm going to prepare, handpicking what I want to put into my meal, getting it all together and coming up with what I would consider hopefully an enjoyable meal. There's just something satisfying, something enjoyable about cooking. Now, uh, does anyone in the house enjoy cooking today? Anyone in here that you just, you'd like to cook? You don't want to cook all the time, but sometimes you have fun, enjoy, you enjoy getting in the kitchen and you enjoy cooking. Growing up, uh, cooking was just something that kind of ran in our family and I, I just enjoyed, even from a young age, cooking. I remember just as a young person, just getting up early, just like my kids do now. Uh, they'd like to get up at 6.30 in the morning before we're even ready to get out of bed sometimes, and they'll wake us up with pans banging and clanging in the kitchen, and they'll be making pancakes, and you'll go to bed, and the kitchen is clean, and you wake up, and it looks like a, a nuclear bomb has gone off. But they've got their pancakes, they've got their they've got their breakfast ready to go and so and so i enjoy cooking cooking kind of runs in the family last night we had music playing and max and cindy were making a pie together and it's nothing unusual but 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 there's just something enjoyable there's something just satisfying that every once in a while just getting in the kitchen putting some ingredients together and enjoying a nice a nice meal i find that sometimes that just the process of taking a recipe and, and breaking it down and just putting it together and creating a meal can be a fun and enjoyable experience. If you're anything like me, I consider myself a little bit of a foodie and sometimes I'll find myself just with this, just, just, uh, pastime or just thing that I like to do, cook. Sometimes I'll we'll go to a restaurant or I'll be out and we'll have a, a meal with a friend or a, at a family and, and I'll, I'll find something that I like, a dish that I like or something on a menu that I like. And I'll find myself at time, just be, just beginning to think about the food. And I'm, I'm trying to kind of pick out ingredients and I'm trying to pick out flavors and I'm I'm thinking in my mind about how this particular meal was made, the process, and I'm I'm thinking about the texture. And I'm I'm trying to do the best I can to analyze everything I can about a particular dish or a particular meal so that I can go home and try to make it for myself. Has anyone ever done that? I like to do that. There was there's a couple years ago I kind of got on this particular kick. I worked at a restaurant called Dunaways. It's no longer Around, but when we first got married, I was working at this restaurant, Dunaways, and they had this very famous shrimp cocktail sauce. The owner of Dunaways at the time used to be a co-owner of St. Elmo's, Jeff Dunaway, and and he took the recipe for their world famous shrimp cocktail sauce off to Dunaway's. And over time, I, I got to know the, the chef and the, and the kitchen staff, and I began trying to pick their brain about how to put together this recipe for this world-famous shrimp cocktail sauce. Has anyone ever had the cocktail sauce at St. Elmo's or Harry and Izzy's? Anyone by a show of hand? Oh my goodness, we've got to culture this church. I'm just getting ready to, I'm going to bring some shrimp cocktail sauce into church, and I'm just going to watch. We're going to set the camera up Cleve, have you ever had this stuff? No? My goodness. Well, we're going to have to change that here soon. But it's, it's world famous because it's incredibly spicy. Just hang with me now. I'm going somewhere. It's, it's made of actual horseradish root. And they take the root and they shave this fresh horseradish into a bowl and they add a few other ingredients oregano salt and some pepper and then they they add ketchup or whatever sauce they want and and just the freshness of that horseradish will give a quite a powerful kick but I realized that I was making this this sauce and it was not quite to the level that st Elmo's has um, has perfected and I and I began realizing that there was a secret ingredient that I had been missing and it was this horseradish oil that you couldn't get anywhere in the city of Indianapolis you Couldn't hardly find it online. There was really only one place... In the Midwest, where you could pick up this particular ingredient to elevate the kick that this shrimp cocktail sauce had, it was at one place. It was a a a, a, um, a grocery store called Jungle Gems in Cincinnati. And I remember we would take special trips out to Cincinnati because I was obsessed with getting this shrimp cocktail sauce just right. And I remember one Thanksgiving, I believe it was, we had some friends over, the Shanks uh, to the linguines. We were just enjoying a meal, I believe, and and I had made the shrimp cocktail sauce. And a good friend of mine had decided that he was going to be brave enough to not only try this shrimp cocktail sauce, but man, he began to just heap this cocktail sauce on. And I'm telling you, this stuff was like nuclear. This stuff was like hot. And he began eating this stuff. And I'm telling you, he about had an absolute just mental breakdown, physical breakdown, heart attack. In fact, his wife told us that that night he literally sweat through his clothes in the bed that night. She kicked him out of the bed. But I learned that there are sometimes some recipes that require just a certain ingredient to make all... Of the difference that no matter how hard you try to replicate it, no matter how much you may enjoy certain dishes, certain recipes, that there's sometimes just some ingredient, something that would be missing that would prevent you from duplicating a secret sauce, a secret spice, a certain step in the preparation, or maybe just a flavor you you, you just you can't pick out. And at the end of the meal, you find yourself feeling unsatisfied with your outcome because something is missing and it's just not the same Cindy and I were driving yesterday in Franklin and we were driving by Kentucky Fried Chicken and I and I just I asked her I said Cindy if someone gave you a million dollars to eat Kentucky Fried Chicken nothing but it for an entire month for every month you eat nothing but Kentucky Fried Chicken and you get a million dollars out then how many months would you do it and she began thinking about it I said first of all would you do that and she thought about it and she said you know I think I would and I said you better believe you would And it might get it might go into overtime. you might have to go into cup two or three months. I haven't been to Kentucky Fried Chicken in a while, but as I was thinking about that, I began thinking about I used to enjoy some good old KFC, and if you know anything about KFC, you know that good old Colonel Sanders had this original recipe that he had put together some years ago, and it contained some 11 secret ingredients, secret herbs and spices and According to just the tradition, those ingredients are written down on a yellow piece of paper and they're contained in a safe somewhere inside of a vault down in Louisville, Kentucky, which is guarded by security personnel. It's guarded by security cameras because they've realized that they have this secret ingredient that they don't want anyone else to be able to replicate. In fact, they go to such great extents to protect this secret ingredient, these secret spices and herbs that they've combined to put together that they actually will purchase these particular and individual spices, herbs, and ingredients from 11 different vendors. They'll they'll have them delivered to a separate site, and then they'll hire another company to mix these ingredients together so that no single vendor, no single person will know all of the ingredients that they have put together inside to make their famous Kentucky Fried Chicken batter. And if you learn, if you read about why they do this, they've just decided that they have come up with a recipe, that they have come up with a formula that has given them great success. And they have gone to great lengths to try to keep people from repeating their world-famous re- recipe. They've just learned over time that when you find something that is worth repeating, when you find something that is, that is valuable, when you find a recipe that is satisfying, you go to great lengths to make sure that you can contain it. And so we find here in the book of Psalms, chapter 103, we find where David here in the book of Psalms gives us a recipe for living a satisfied life. And he, he goes into the vault of his experience. He goes into the vault of, of, of the word of God. And he, he gives us just a formula that he says that he has discovered for living a satisfied life. And so we find his ingredients here in the book of Psalms chapter 103. When David says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. David is saying that I'm going to bless the Lord with everything that is within me. In fact, it's the New Living Translation that says it like this, Let all that I am praise the Lord, for with my whole heart I will praise His holy name. It's interesting here that David giving us his recipe or his advice on how to live a satisfied life, that the very first thing that David would bring to our attention would to draw a, a comparison or a contrast by saying, that I'm going to bless the Lord with my whole heart. It's as if David is trying to tell us here that it would be possible that the very first step, the very first ingredient that, that, would, that would come to living a satisfied life, would, we, would be that we would somehow fail to worship God with anything less than all of our heart. I want to tell you today that if you want to find satisfaction in your life, if you want to live a blessed life, if you want to live a life of fulfillment and satisfaction, I want to tell you it's not going to be found And anything less than serving God with all of your heart. David said this recipe doesn't call for a half-hearted worship. This recipe doesn't call for a half-hearted commitment. This recipe doesn't call for a half-hearted devotion to God. But he says the very first thing that you need to recognize about living a satisfied and an overcoming life is that you've got to do it with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. I want to tell you today that I've learned a little something about living for God. And that is if you are going to, if you are going to tap into the secret of living a satisfied life, that you've got to learn the secret of living for God with everything inside of you. I've learned that living for God with all of your heart is easy to do. In fact, against popular opinion, against whatever others might say, that living for God is easy when you do it with all of your heart. That worshiping God is actually a wonderful experience when you do it with all of your heart. One of the scribes came to Jesus one day and they said, Master, what is the greatest of all the commandments? What is top? What is priority? What is preeminent? What is first? And Jesus responded to him in Mark chapter 12 and he says, The greatest of all of the commandments is hear, o Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength I want to tell you today that there is a secret in serving God with nothing less than everything that is inside of you I want to tell you today you may say well I don't have what it takes to live for God I don't have what it takes to serve God I don't have what it takes to make a commitment to God but I've come to tell you that you have everything that you need in order to live for God because all that you need is everything that you you have. If you'll give God all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your devotion. It's a wonderful experience serving God with all of you. But I've also found that the opposite is true as well. Brother Rick, that not only is it, is it a blessing to serve God with everything that you have, but sometimes I've discovered that life can be frustrating, that a walk with God can be discouraging, and serving Christ can even feel unsatisfying when you do it half-heartedly. I've learned that over time and seasons and times of my life when I'm, I'm trying to live for God with other things in control of my desires and other things in control of my devotions, when I've placed other ambitions and priorities ahead of living for God and being faithful to church and serving God, that that can be a very unsatisfying feeling. Has anyone ever discovered that when you allow things into your life that block out your commitment to God, when you allow other things in your life that block out your decisions to put Christ first, to worship Christ first, to serve Christ first, that that can leave you feeling unsatisfied. It can leave you feeling frustrated. It can leave you feeling discouraged. But I want to tell you that when you put God first, that everything else just seems to align itself. I want to tell you today that that just like Jesus says, you can't serve two masters that you're either going to love the one or you're going to hate the other or you're going to hate the one and you're going to love the other but if we will seek Christ in his kingdom first I want to tell you there is satisfaction for your soul there is there is joy that is available if you will worship God with everything that you have I've even learned this that the more I worship God the more I want to worship God The more I serve Christ, the more I want to serve Christ. The more I'm faithful to church, the more I want to be faithful to church. You heard me use this illustration before, but living for God is kind of like getting on one of those merry-go-rounds. As you were a child if you remember there's those merry-go-rounds I think they're called is that right in the middle in the in the in the in the uh, playground and and you'll see the bigger kids and they're just they're just pushing that merry-go-round and if you remember trying to get into the center of that merry-go-round because you know that if you can just get to this close to the center of that merry-go-round it's easy to hold on but if you find yourself out on the fringes if you find yourself out on the outside it's hard to hold on you've got the world pulling on you you've got you've got desires pulling on you you've You've got got lust pulling on you. But I want to tell you, if you will get close to Jesus Christ, that there is joy in serving Christ. So the very first thing that David gives us here on this Thanksgiving weekend and his recipe for living a satisfied life is you've got to make sure that you've measured out the proper ingredients that you're living for God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with with all of your mind. The second thing he says here in verse 2, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. See, David is saying here that when we are pulling together all of the ingredients necessary to create a satisfied life, he says one of the things that we can often forget is to recognize all of God's benefits. He says that our memory... And what we decide to bring into our recognition often plays a significant factor in living a satisfied and a fulfilled life. I want to tell you that your memory is an important ingredient in living a blessed and a satisfied life. Our memory is an interesting thing. I listened to a podcast several years ago. It was, uh, it was Revisionist History by Malcolm Gladwell in this particular podcast he was talking about memory and they were doing a study. there was a subset of, of psychology uh, re- regarding memory and they were observing this phenomenon within our memory called flashbulb events. And what they were what they were analyzing is is this the reality, the phenomenon that there are certain things in life that, that create a flashbulb impression in our, in our recognition, in our memory and in our thinking? Major events in history like 9-11, major events like uh, they did one, the passing of Princess Diana or, or major wars or just significant events that just etch a memory in our hearts and our minds. And what they began to study about our memories and how our memory works is, is what they would do is one, one of these major events would take place like the attacks on the Twin Towers on September 11th. The, the day after the attacks, they would bring in thousands of people and they would begin to interview them. And they would begin to ask them, where were you when the planes crashed? Where were you? What were you doing? Who were you you with? What were you doing that day? What were you talking about? What meals did you have? And they began asking them and interviewing them and just getting them to respond to a list of questions about where they were, what they were doing, what they thought, who they were with, what they were eating, any detail that they could get regarding these specific events. And they took those answers and then they came back to these same participants, some six months, a year, five years, ten years later, and what they found is that at the end of this study is that there's something very interesting that takes place in our memory, that although we may be convinced that we remember exactly how that day went or that event transpired in our life, that what they found is even though you could promise and swear, I know exactly where I was, I know exactly what I was doing, I know exactly what meal I had, I can remember it perfectly that what they find is that some five and ten years later that our memories are completely different than when they were the day after those events. And what they find is what we need to realize today is that sometimes in life, That we can allow ourselves to misremember, that we can allow ourselves to forget, that we can allow ourselves to detach ourselves from the reality that God has been good to our life, that God has blessed us, that God has helped us, that God has made a way for us. You see, the problem with memory is that memory relates to life. And the difficulty with that is that life is filled with challenges, That life is both good and life is bad, that life is happy and life is sad. And if we allow ourselves, if we're not intentional, we will over time begin to only gravitate around the negative things. The difficult things, the hard things, the challenging things. And we will allow ourselves to forget all of the goodness of God, the provision of God because we fail to remember His benefits. You see, no one illustrates this more perhaps than Joseph in the Bible. If you read the life of Joseph in Genesis chapter 41, you find that Joseph was just a young man He had the favor of God on his life. He he was favored by his father. He was given a coat of many colors. And and even though he was favored by his father, he he was hated and despised by his brothers. His brothers could not stand Joseph because their father favored him. And you know the story. One day Joseph was checking on the condition of his brothers. And his brothers decided that they despised him so much that they were going to put him in a pit. And they threw him in a pit. And they betrayed him into his destiny. And they sold him into slavery. It was in his father's house that Joseph had experienced so much pain and so much betrayal and so much neglect. And and ultimately, Joseph began to live a life of feeling as though he was forgotten, feeling as though he was despised, feeling as though all of those feelings of purpose that he had once had as a young child were all lost because of the circumstances of his life. We find that ultimately, Joseph was in a pit, And God's hand was upon him. In fact, the Bible says that God was with him. God was with him, that God's hand was upon him. And even in the prison and even in the pit, God never left his side. And we find that one day that Joseph had gained favor even in the prison and Pharaoh's uh, butler and his, his housemaker, his, his baker, were, were, were sent to the, to the prison where Joseph was. And, and, and they began having dreams. And the hand of the Lord began working on Joseph's life. And Joseph began interpreting these dreams. And he began dis- disclosing what God was doing in their life. And the only thing that he requested of the butler and of the baker is that when you are delivered, that you will remember me. And nevertheless, even though he had done what he was supposed to do, they forgot him until one day. The Bible says that Pharaoh had a dream and ultimately they remembered Joseph and Joseph was elevated and Joseph was blessed and Joseph interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh and he was exalted to to a high position of prominence. He was second over all of Egypt. He was second in command and he was given a robe and he was given a wife and he ultimately had children. And we find that by the time that Joseph had experienced all of that pain and all of that neglect and all of that betrayal, by the time he had finally gotten to a place of blessing and prominence in his life. The Bible says that he had his first son in the naming of his son Manasseh. Here is what he says in the book of Genesis chapter 41 verse 51. And Joseph called the name of his firstborn son Manasseh. For God said, he hath made me to forget all my toil and my father's life. You see, Joseph's life had been so hard that when he finally gets to a place of blessing, all he can think is to to try to forget all of the troubles in his past. But even in this, we can find the pain in Joseph's confession that that his father's house was painful. It was full of toil. It was full of turmoil. And, And Joseph is saying, now that I'm living a blessed life, I just want to forget about everything. I'm willing to forget all of the memories. I'm going to I'm willing to throw out even the good with the bad because I've I've finally gotten to a place of prominence. But the Bible tells us that Joseph kept on living. And in just a little bit of time, he had a second son. And he gets to a place were because of the experiences in his life that he decides, you know what, I'm not willing no longer to throw the good out with the bad, but now Joseph has a second son, Ephraim, and he says in 4152 in the name of the second shall be called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of his affliction. In other words, Joseph had decided that even though he had come from a place of pain, and even though he was once willing to throw out all of the good memories with the bad memories, that now he had come to a place where he realized that God has been with me all along. that God has blessed me all along, that God has made a way all along, that even though I've gone through some pain and even though I've gone through some sorrow, that God is able to redeem all of those things. And I recall and I recognize and I bring to my memory today all of the benefits and the blessings of the Lord. I want to tell you today that if we are not careful, that we like Joseph will be willing to get to a place in our life where because of the pain and the suffering and the trial, we're willing to just throw out All the good memories with the bad memories. We just want to distance ourselves. We want to separate ourselves. We want to detach ourselves from all of the pain in our life. But what God is trying to tell us here through the Psalm of David is that we've got to get to a place where we're willing to recognize that even though we've gone through some difficult times, and even though we've gone through some hard times, and even though we've gone through some lean times, that God was with us all along. Oh, let me recognize and bring to memory all of the blessings and all of the benefits of the Lord. I want to tell you today I could go through this church and we could go through one by one on this Thanksgiving weekend and I could list out people that used to be addicted, that used to be down, that used to be out and you've got some testimonies and we don't neglect that. We don't ignore that. We don't pretend like that's not a part of our past but in the same spirit in the same testimony you can stand here to say that even though I was down that God was with me. Even though I was out God found me. That even though I I was addicted that God delivered me. I want to tell you today that part of the secret of living a satisfied life is that we don't get so caught up in our negative thoughts and our negative emotions and our negative memories and our negative feelings that we fail to realize that even though we did have some hard times that God was with us all along. You see, the secret to your satisfaction is not to ignore all of the bad things that have happened in life or to pretend that Life isn't hard sometimes. Rather, we realize that through it all that God has been good to us. We find sweet satisfaction no matter what we're going through. When we realize that God was with us, that God was for us, and that God made a way. Look what David goes on to say. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all of mine iniquities, he lists five things here quickly that God has done in each and every one of our lives. And number one, that he is a forgiver of our sins. I don't know about you, but this Thanksgiving week would be no better time for you to realize and to recognize and to remember the time that God met you at an altar when you were down and when you were out. And you came to that altar and you repented of your sins and the goodness of God met you at an altar. Come on, somebody. Can you get back to a place in your life where you realize and you recognize, hey, I've come a long way. And if it happened, had not been for the Lord that was on my side, I don't know where I'd be. He's still a a prayer answering God. He's still a forgiving God. He's still a merciful God. And He forgives all of our iniquities. But not only does He forgive us of our sins, the Bible tells us that He heals us of our diseases. I could go through this church just here today, and we could, we could testify about cancers being healed and blinded eyes being healed and sickness being healed and, and discouragement being healed. I want to tell you today that when we call upon the name of the Lord, that we serve a God that answers our prayer, that heals our sickness, that heals our disease. Come on, you're never hopeless, and you're never helpless. But if you could just simply call on the name of Jesus, He heals our diseases. But if that wasn't good enough, Not only does he forgive us, not only does he heal us, but the Bible says he redeems our life from destruction. Come on now, this resonates with me. Because I can think of a few times where I was, I was bent on destroying my life. I was bent on making some wrong choices. I was bent on going in the wrong direction. Come on. But like the psalm writer said, you've saved my soul from death. You've saved mine eyes from tears. And you saved my feet from falling. How many can testify that there were some times in your life where you were supposed to go right, but you went left? You were supposed to go one way, and you went the other way. And because you disobeyed and you betrayed the will of God in your life, you got yourself into some, some hairy situations but isn't don't we serve an awesome God that does not abandon us or leave us or forsake us but his mercies are new every single morning I want to tell you today that no matter where you get in life that if you can just call on the name of Jesus if you can just get back to an altar if you can just get back to a prayer room if you can just get back to the purposes of God that all things can work together for the good of those who love God and who are the called according to his purpose he redeems our life from destruction if that wasn't enough guess what else he does he crowns us with kindness with mercy with love I want to tell you today that one of the greatest things that we can be thankful for is that in Christ we are accepted that in Christ We are the friends of God, that in Christ, that we are loved in Christ, that we have mercy, that when we are serving Jesus Christ with all of our hearts, that God gives us mercy, God gives us grace. Too many times people think of God as some angry just judge in the heaven that's ready to just squash us as soon as we make a mistake, but that is not the message of Scripture. The Bible tells us that God so loved this world that he came unto his own. He came not to condemn, but he came to redeem. And he came unto his own, but his own received him not. I want to tell you the problem is not that God has rejected us. But the message of the Bible is that we have rejected our God. That Jesus came living a perfect, sinless life. He came and He healed and He delivered and He helped. He raised the dead. He raised the sick. And ultimately, He was crucified as a sinner on a cross. But on that cross, He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But He says to each and every one of us today that even though I was betrayed, even though I was crucified, even though I was rejected, that if you would just come unto me, I will never leave you nor forsake you nor abandon you if you'll just call upon the name of the Lord. How many know there's still mercy, there's still grace, grace and there's still redemption available at the cross and finally he satisfies our life with good things I want to tell you today stand with me all over this place this Thanksgiving week if you want to know what the ingredients are to living a satisfied life it consists of serving God with all of your heart not half heartedly not reluctantly, not just kind of in one day and out the other, not in one month and out the other, but fully dedicating your life to Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, there's satisfaction in serving God with everything that you have. Furthermore, David said that, that when you find yourself in some challenging times, I know that sometimes Thanksgiving or Christmas or the holidays, for some of us it can be the best time of year, but the reality is for others of us it can be the worst time of year because it's in these times and in these seasons that we have to reflect and deal with the realities of our situations, our family, our life, that we can distract ourselves throughout the year, but during the holidays we have to come to terms with some things. But David says that even when you find yourself in those difficult times and those difficult seasons, don't you throw out the good memories with your bad memories, because if you'll just take some time to recognize and realize that even though you were in prison and even though you were in the pit and even though you were betrayed and even though you were neglected, that God has been with you all along and He's still your Savior. He's still your healer. He's still your deliverer. And He's still got mercy for your life. You see, what I've learned is that sometimes some of those ingredients, some of those recipes, some of those meals... that we just try to figure out but can't quite duplicate, leaving us feeling unsatisfied, that sometimes the ingredients aren't as complicated as we think. Yesterday we were going through the drive-thru at McAllister's, and I hate to admit it, but I've become absolutely addicted to McAllister's iced tea. Pray for me, Brother Rick. I mean, it's bad. I'm not kidding. I'm there two or three times a day. They know my name. Is this the truth? They know my name. Not just one of them, many of them. I had to drive out to West Washington Street to get one of these little tumblers because they'll give you the tea for half price. It's sad. And I've had a lot of tea in my life, all right? In fact, I remember growing up, my dad would get these, these little glass containers and he would fill them up with water and he would put just like bags of tea in this container and set it outside and just sunbrew the tea. Man, that was good. <clears throat> and I've had tea everywhere I can have tea. But there's nothing like McAllister's tea. Am I right? And I figure they've got to be doing something different. They've got to be buying, importing some tea from India overseas. They've got to have their own just source of tea leaves. Some they're doing, or maybe they're spending millions of dollars on brewing equipment. And so yesterday, we were going through the drive-through. And we got to talking to Courtney, who actually is a backslider, and she's one of the ones that knows me there. And we just got to talking, and I just decided I'm going to ask, what is it about your tea that makes it so special? And you know, she said something that was profound, because there's some truth in it. She said, you know, there's really nothing special. All it is. Is water, Lipton tea bags, and sugar. What's that? And what? Five, eight cups of sugar. Now I never get that much, but. But she said the reality is all we're using are some basic ingredients that you could duplicate yourself. Lipton tea bags, water and a lot of sugar. You know, while I was surprised to hear that, I realized that there's something profound about that today because there's probably some of us in here, and like me, you've just, you've been seeking out satisfaction. Maybe you're not going to McAllister's two or three times a day, but you're seeking satisfaction in something else in life, and you keep going back, and you keep going back, and you assume that I can never quite find the satisfaction for my life or for my soul, but what I've come to tell you is that maybe the ingredients to living a satisfied and a fulfilled life are not as difficult or as secret as you think, that if you would just make a decision that I'm going to commit my life to God, not just some of it, but all of it, that that I'm going to live for God. I'm going to recognize that in the difficult times and the hard times, hey, that God has been with me all. I want to tell you that if I'll just not forget that He's a Savior and He's a healer and He's a deliverer and He's a forgiver of sins, and he's got mercy, and he's got grace. I can, too, enjoy the satisfaction of living for God, for myself. All over this place, can we just lift our hands? You know, the Bible says to taste and to see that the Lord is good. That sometimes you've got to taste it for yourself. You've got to experience this living for God thing for yourself. To recognize and to realize that, man, there's just something. There's just something satisfying about that. I know what others have said. I know what others have done. But there's just something satisfying about the presence of God in my life. There's something satisfying about a commitment to the Lord. There's something satisfying about being in church. I want to tell you today, you've got to taste And see for yourself all over this place. Lord Jesus, come on, can we just lift our hearts to the Lord right now? Hallelujah. Can we just lift our voices? Come on, all over this place. Come on, the ingredients aren't as secret as you think. It's not as hard as you think to live a fulfilled life, an overcoming life, a blessed life, a happy life, a satisfied life. Come on the ingredients is simple. It's just a little bit of tea. It's just a little bit of water. It's just a little bit of sugar. It's just a little bit of commitment. It's just a a little bit of devotion and dedication. Come on. it's, It's just a recognition that God is a savior. He's a forgiver of sins. He's a healer of disease. He's a way maker and a merciful God. I want to tell you, if you'll just put it together in your life,